Welcome back to season five, episode five of the Black Women Working podcast. I'm so happy to be here again hosting another episode of the season. It's your girl Rachel and I'll be hosting today's episode. Um, Ladies, if you just want to introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Nat. Hey, it's Tolu. Hey, Chantel here. And as usual, you can follow us on all our socials, which is at BWWPodcastUK on Instagram and Twitter and you can join the conversation with our hashtag BWWPodcastUK we also have a website which is www.blackwomenworking.com and that's for you guys to have a look and look at all our past episodes they're all up there so have a look at us on there so for today's episode oh this is a topic that I'm like I always think about but I've never actually delved deeper into it Um, and it's about the black hair industry what is what goes on behind the scenes how does it work i'm sure many of us as black women purchase black hair products and purchase black services black we go to black hairdressers to do our hair but what actually happens like behind the scenes what goes on and how does that work and how does that progress and go forward so today we've got a very special guest called Andre with us today and um, I just want her to introduce herself and give you guys a little bit of background about what she does. Hi everybody, I'm Andre Marie. I'm a hairdresser and I've been a hairdresser for the last 13 years and I have, um, I own a little boutique salon called Maison Style for the last four years and yeah I love talking all things hair and being about that life. Oh wow, so that's 13 years. Hold on. I know we usually wait till the end, but that that introduction does not cut it. <laughs> For the work, people need to know actually how to see your work on Instagram because you are an amazing artist with hair. Come on now. Come on. Okay. I have a YouTube, which you can find also. Um, by, my name is the same everywhere because, you know, I was one of the, the, the OGs. <laughs> <laughs> when all of these came out so Andre Marie on YouTube where um, I basically just started showcasing my work online and that's how I gained um, most of my popularity and then I went on and have the same name Andre Marie again on Instagram where I showcase what I do every day in the salon and also in my spare time and I, I always get lost when it comes to these things when it comes to shouting myself out I'm like I own a salon this is what I do and I do YouTube the end <laughs> <laughs> yeah it can be difficult to kind of promote yourself yeah. but please let us know because we want to know like and we want the listeners to know exactly what you do so youtube and you've got a salon and you've been hairdressing for 13 years that is yes that is crazy 13 years of hairdressing oh yeah. gosh so i just want to jump straight in with a mad question already and i know it's going to be like oh but um it's basically what has it been like creating a service that primarily primarily caters for black women? How has that been like creating that and making that progress and go forward? How has that been for you? Um, to be honest, it was pretty easy. Like that part there is very easy. I know black women's hair. I was working within that industry from the beginning. It's not like I was working in, in like a, I don't know, European salon. I started off in a black hair salon. And it was quite a prestigious one and one that was quite high profile. And I worked there for eight years. So a lot of my training, a lot of the way I am now 
was based on my training in that salon and a lot of who I am as a hairdresser today is based is really founded by that particular salon it's the only salon I ever worked in before opening my own um, it was a promise that I made to myself where I just said you know what if I'm not working within an excellent black salon I'm just going to go and create a space for myself um, because that's what I would like to do um, in terms of um, the what I wanted to create um, as a service it just became quite natural I just think that even though there are so many salons in London, it felt like there was quite a lot of um, what I would call, there was a lack of something. So, um, and that thing was time. Like a lot of women wanted to come into a salon and have their time respected. And that was like my main focus. When I opened the salon, I said, you know what, if I if I open a space, I really want the focus to be not only hair, but also looking after and looking after the hair, but also taking into account people's time because a lot of professionals they have limited time. Um, mums <laughs> have limited time, which I now know. Um, but I just wanted to really take into, into account people's time. Um, the experience as a whole and then feeling like they were seen at their appointments that is so good can I chip in Rach yeah go ahead yeah I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned the points that you did because when we decided to speak about here at least in my mind I I thought about the fact that this is a space that we know that is actually for black women. That said though, there are a few one and two Caucasians and Asians trying to tell me about which type of hair I should get for my extensions, but that's another story for another day. But um, it's, it's really refreshing to hear that, you know, as, as, a black, as a service provider for black women, you pride, primed yourself on black excellence. Because often when we hear about, you know, like the Caribbean food shop, the hairdressers, there are so many complaints about service, about time, about attitude. And considering the hairdressers is such a sacred place because we go there to feel better. Um, it's really it's really nice, I don't know, nice as a word, to hear that these were one this was one of your priorities when setting up. To be honest, I think it should the thing about it is, is like when you think of your experience everywhere that you go, whether it's Sainsbury's, whether it's, I don't know, even getting on the bus, it's all quite a pleasant experience, if you know what I mean. If you get into a cab, if you get, like, those are all pleasant experiences. But when it comes to our experiences, there's always an mm, and ah uh, and uh, about it. So for me, it was more um, triggered towards that. I just wanted it to be a nice experience. I felt like everywhere I went, there was always some sort of standard excellent service like I'm just talking and I, when I went to America I saw it a lot where they really take into account the customer service and um I just felt like wait a minute like we do not at least at the time apart from where I worked I just felt like so many people complain about having traumatic experiences having this experience having a home experience and it's like but why can't we just go somewhere sit down and have a pleasant experience as a standard it doesn't have to why should it have to be such a special experience that we should applaud it should just be a standard 
to, to the fact that then clients can then pull you up when it's not the standard. Because I'm now at a place where I, if I go to a Caribbean shop and they're rude to me, I'm not going back because that's not the standard for me anymore. Mm-hmm, 100%. Because if I go to the fish and chip shop, no one's rude to me. Right. They just give right. me my food, they give me my chips, they give me my, my, my cod. What would you like there, love? <laughs> Done. And I'm gone. So I don't understand that when I have to go now to an African African shop and I'm asking for stew or whatever it is I'm asking for, I should be given more attitude. That's 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 not the standard. That shouldn't be the standard. And I feel like a lot of a lot of us applaud the very basic human mm-hmm. right. <laughs> it's very basic to go to a place and be welcomed and and just have a pleasant experience that you don't even have to think about. But all of a sudden, when we go to a black salon, it's like you have to gear yourself up to 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 receive attitude and part with your money. That doesn't make sense to me. It, and, it, and it wasn't something that I understood um, mm. very well until even when I came into the salon that I worked in, there was a time when I just felt like, hold on a second, like, why is it that we are having these experiences? Why is it such a standard that if you're in a bad mood, then we must all fall in line for that bad mood? I do not accept that. I don't want to accept that. That is not how I like to be treated. I did not grow up in a household that was hostile. I grew up in a household where we were cool. Like, if, if people were in a bad mood, they stayed out of each other's way. We, I didn't experience that sort of animosity on a day-to-day basis. Obviously, I'm African, so we all know that I experience mm-hmm. the normalities. But at the same time, I'm like, there's just certain things I don't think should be a standard. It's annoying. Say it again for the people at the back because I think there's just like a lack of comprehension of this like across the boards in general and um, unfortunately like that really can colour our perception of people who provide hair services so we may not even have had an experience of them but we come with that preconception that, oh, it's going to be a terrible experience. And then therefore it's kind of like a manifestation of the experience that you actually do have. Because if you think it's going to be a terrible experience, you kind of treat people in a way that makes you think it's going to be a terrible experience. And then when you yeah. experience a terrible experience, you're like, there you go. You proved what I was saying anyway. Y'all are trash. But then I do think there's not a lot of holding um some people don't hold themselves to accountability, those who are service providers in that respect. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, I know that's something that we'll be touching upon um, later. So I think moving on to kind of like the rest of us, what an interesting question to ask um, ourselves would be, you know, have we in the context of being an entrep- entrepreneur and creating a service that caters to black women, which I know like quite a few of us here do, like what has been that experience um, in terms of creating that side hustle and what has been the key kind of important things at the for- forefront of your minds when kind of ironing out or deciding what experience you want the customers or clients that you have to experience when engaging with your services i think i think we've moved on in terms of like i don't know actually maybe it's age but i feel like we've moved on in terms of what it means to have sisterhood because for me like going to the salon like using the salon example i know we're talking about all examples of entrepreneurship in your question it, it did feel like a to and fro, like on one hand, we could talk about the service that we're being offered and you know, the wait time and the attitude, but equally um, in terms of what I would witness from customers giving back to service provider, you know, 
you know, just not being courteous and fine, you are paying for a service and if you're disappointed, you're allowed to, to voice that. But I stayed away from there just for a very long time because from one exchange to another, it just never felt good. And I feel like in terms of black women, we've definitely, well, my experience and the services that, that I um, buy into and the places that I buy into, I feel like we've moved on in terms of just just being more respectful, just honouring like we're here for a reason um, and the reason is supposed to be one that's a positive, one that serves us well um, and, and holding that at the heart, especially when we know that there are so many places that are not for us, the ones that are, we have to kind of tune into what it is that we really, really want and what, what it is that we want is a positive experience, right? <laughs> Mm -hmm. that's a standard it should be I I mean like I said unapologetically when I go somewhere now I have a bad experience and I even had a bad experience maybe two weeks ago and I said well I don't want to eat here anymore and I I let the owner know I won't be coming here anymore because of a b and c like these are the reasons why as a person who also owns a business and I care a lot about how people feel I care a lot about how how an experience can change someone's perception of something I don't accept that I will part with £10 every time I eat from you and I'm receiving attitude every time. And also you're changing the rules every time as well because you're getting comfortable with me. So I don't really want to experience that anymore. I would like to let you know I'm going away from this situation because this is not what I accept in my day-to-day. How, However you choose to move forward from this, that's your own, but I'm no longer partaking in it and that's the end of that. So for me, it's like, also being unapologetic because the thing that I always um talk about is the fact that we are so good at having bad having having received bad um experiences talking about it amongst ourselves don't go there but then not speaking about it too directly the person a lot of these people get away with a lot but if they're not we don't hold them accountable we just say oh don't go there it's a bad experience or don't go there it's a bad experience but I like to be held accountable for my mistakes so that I can be better. And I think that's how we grow as people. Being accountable doesn't always mean I'm never coming back to you, blah, blah, blah. It could be something simple as, you know what, I came in, I felt like your attitude was a little bit off today, you're normally so good, um, just wanted to point that out, or I didn't feel the service was as great today. Like, helping people, because we're all human at the end of the day. I've had bad days when I'm not really on it. I go somewhere and I go to work, and I'm not 100% there, but I have to remember that this is still a service, like, service place. Like, I have to always be on. And some days I'm, I don't want to be on. I've had a long day. The kids have driven me crazy. I've woken up on the yeah. wrong side of bed. But when I go in, I always have to at least give the best that I can for that day. And sometimes people notice because you're not a robot. So for me, it's just that people understand that we are human but what they won't understand is being dismissed, um, being being feeling leaving feeling like they've been robbed. Because that's how I feel. If I go somewhere and I've had a bad experience, I feel like I've been robbed because I've given you money. Yeah, definitely. So, so, so that that's for me. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree with that. Like being robbed because you haven't received what you thought you was gonna receive. And that kind of leads me on to my second question, which would be, 
have what has it been like working with black women in a professional capacity especially within the hair industry i know there are loads of women now that like do hair and different things but what has it been like actually working with them and you said you worked in a black hair salon and now you own your own how has that been like working with black women solely and working with them going forward and um, for me it's been a really pleasant experience it's um the 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 people that I know from the salon that I worked at before, um, some worked with me in the salon that I own now. So um, there was Florence, who was um, an assistant in the beginning and then continued on to being a stylist and now has continued on her own journey. And um, I was also mentored and taught a lot by um, my then colleague, Vicky, who's now also gone on to do her own thing. And I mean, those are the women that I cherish. Those are the people that um, in my lifetime, I hope to be as great as they were to me. So mm-hmm. I always remember the hand that was given to me and I always try to extend that because I just think all it takes is one person to look at you and take notice and want to help you and want to be and want the best for you. And that will just help you move forward. And I never forget a good a good (laughs) a good favor I never forget someone who's done who's done me good or who's helped me or who has you know opened doors for me anywhere I never ever forget those people so for me it's it gives nothing to be nice Mm, yeah it doesn't it doesn't take anything off of me to say to a woman walking down the street you look beautiful today it doesn't do anything for me to work with people and if I can't do the job passing it on to them it does nothing for me so for me I've met some amazing women along the way I'm quite private in the way that I share myself with people so though I know a lot of people a lot of people don't know me (laughs) but Mm. I do um the people that I do have in my circle like there are loads of hairdressers that I know but there's also loads of hairdressers that I don't know so I'm quite I wouldn't even say selective. I just don't put myself out there. I'm just trying to get a job done. And my job is to make sure that my guests are happy. So for me, I have a very small amount of like hairdresser friends. I've got um, Deborah Lola, who I've known for years. And we knew each other before we even started doing hairdressing. And she's probably one of the people that I soundboard with. And she doesn't work in the salon with me, but there's been so many times when I've needed help or with... I've, I've had a wedding to do and I can't do it and I will ask her for help so and she's done it or vice versa she's double booked and she's needed me to take over so for me sisterhood is very important and um, mm-hmm. there's a lady um called I think Mosh Hair I I've met her maybe once or twice but she is amazing like every time something comes up she's always recommending me and I must have left a really good impression on her for her to do that but she is amazing again so there are loads of little there are loads of people that I've never really met but recommend me or and there's the people that I see like Papa Chi Mary I love her to bits if 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 I can support her in any way I will same with Deborah Lola same with people that I've met there's a few of the lovely ladies that I met um and when I did Lizzo um Lizzo Lizzo team for the Brits so for me it's just if I meet people and I and I like them, there's no reason why I wouldn't recommend you for anything because I just think that's just the way it should be. I cannot do all all of the black women in the UK's hair. It's impossible. Yeah. So community. it's just a, like it's a community. And I learned that mm. with my children. 
Like it doesn't like even as I am here today, I have my sisters in law um in the living room looking after my kids because my husband couldn't do it. So it's it's always a community, it's a village. So for me it's just yeah. about just doing things. It's just paying it forward in in the simplest of ways. And I've been lucky enough to be blessed with now um a team of people who I think this whole journey that I've been on, because it's been tough, it's not been an easy journey at all. But the girls that I have now, Abby and Mariam, are like, I could not have prayed for a better team. They are literally the yin to my yang. They are just such a blessing. We sound off of each other. They give me feedback. They go out of their way to do things that I never even requested. And I remember my mum saying to me when I had, um, previous to them, I had Florence and Beverly, who also amazing. My mum said to me that you don't get these kind of people twice. So for me yeah. to have these people twice is, is honestly, I don't know what I've done in this world, but please keep it coming because these girls are amazing. Like the first round, Beverly and Flo held down the salon when I was not able to, when I was on my maternity leave. They literally, and they didn't know what they were doing because we were all learning on the go. And then this time round, I'm more seasoned. So the girls are a bit more lucky because I know what to do. I've had experiences. I've been doing this for four years. And then I have the experience of the eight years behind that. So it's been, I'm a lot more aware of what's going on. So this time round, I'm, I'm feeling like the team is a blessed team. That's the only way I can describe it because literally when I leave work, I'm like, do you know what? I'm so blessed to have these two. They go into the salon on their days off to fix things that they don't need to do. Mm-mm. They um, look at the experience that clients will be having. And at the end of the day, they'll say, oh, I really think that you should do this. It will make, you know, these the, the clients that have this service feel a lot more accomplished or they'll feel a lot more comfortable if we have A, B and C. Like, I've never seen that before. You know, I have, I've, I've seen people come up with ideas, but to mm-hmm. follow up, that's not something that I've seen, even when I worked in other places. I saw that people were trying to bring ideas, but you need the money. But they mm. go in pocket. So if they see that it's not something that can be done right now, all of a sudden it's in the shop. And they're like, no, no, no. I just thought that it would really be a good Let's just test it out and see. I haven't seen that before. So wow. for me, I'm completely blessed. Like, there's nothing I wouldn't do for them because I know excellent, that excellent. You've, you've taken something that, Maison style wasn't supposed to be something that is just for me. It was supposed to be something that I wanted to grow because I believe that why can European hair have Rush Salon, Vidal Sassoon, and they all have what franchises of ten hundreds and thousands, and we can only open one. True that. So sorry to kind of stop you in your flow there. One thing I wanted to say, because you have spoken quite at length about how you have been in such a supportive atmosphere, which is actually quite excellent to hear, because I think generally there's a perception that women working in this um, industry are like, I don't know, just absolute competitive vultures and will do anything to take each other down. So it's good that you, as someone who has been working in it for such a long time, can testify to an alternate experience. But what I yeah. would like to ask you is, has there any, ever been an occasion where you've been in a situation where it hasn't been quite so sisterly or understanding or uplifting? And how did you deal with that situation? Oh, 1,000%. I've been in the field, days. <laughs> I've been in a few of those situations, but um, I think for me, I take, I used to take things 
completely and utterly too hard. And now that I own my own place, I understand, even though I don't agree, I understand where it comes from. It comes from building something from the ground up and not wanting to lose people. Different people react in different ways to different things, as we know. Um, Some people congratulate you and some people just move mad. And I've had experiences whereby I felt like even though I was giving support, um, I wasn't giving support back. And that hurt. Like, I've cried over things like this. But I've realised that sometimes people are yanked away from you because they're not—they're just not supposed to be in your life anymore. And, and even the way they move is so mad that it, you, can't, you can't even explain it. And if you ask them, they won't be able to explain it themselves. Um, and I don't always think... I think women, we love to say things like, oh, it's jealousy or it's this, it's that. I don't always agree that it's jealousy. I think sometimes it's... If you've built something from the ground up and you can see it falling or you can see that, you know, people that you need in that business are going away, you may react to that in a negative manner, which can then reflect in a way that will be like, oh, that's jealousy, or she's going mad, or whatever. But I've just learned um, to just take it in my stride, honestly. It it is what it is at the end of the day. I've seen, I've, I've lost out on campaigns I've lost out on friends I've lost out on I've helped people when they didn't even know that I've helped them I've given I've given the names and told people do you know what don't don't mention that I've said it because I want them to have this experience for them I don't want them to ride off of me knowing them knowing that it was me or anything like that and then those same people have turned around and said, you know what, you're jealous of me. You don't want people to grow. You're this, you're that. And it hurts, but it is what it is. Yeah, of it course, is but it is. it is what it yeah. is. It's just the way people see the world. And you will have that Looking in friendships where you, yeah, you will see people do things and you're like, okay. But then it's like, it is like, what can you actually do? What can I do about a situation like that? You cannot do anything about something like that. You Be can only back. No, just learn. <laughs> No, I'm not really that. I'm, I'm joking completely. I was going to say, um, Andre, <laughs> I, I think there's something really beautiful in your character. You know, you can hear by the way that you hail you you held up so many names, just just reeled them off, and you know we've spoken in previous. For once, I don't have the reference. I feel like it's season two, episode seven, but I really don't know. We, we spoke about sisterhood in the workplace and we've spoken about, you know, how important that is to us. And I mean, you know, it's only now that we're sitting here in this episode, I, t- I think you may take for granted, not on purpose, but how unique a situation it is that you are able to work with black women every day, but not only just work with them, but work with them in a way that is nurturing, that is growing, that is supportive, that is shouting them out. And I love that. Um, And I wanted to reflect back on, you know, just because now you've taken me to some of our previous episodes, thinking about in season one, I believe it was episode three, we spoke about hair and the work. Don't laugh. (laughs) Yeah, I was laughing at you because I was like, how on earth do you remember that? It's my podcast, which means... (laughs) Um, I took Shan my words- remembers everything, <laughs> absolutely everything. But, um, you know, and it and it's been a whole campaign um, during 2020 on hair in the workplace, and the levels of comfort or discomfort that Black women feel um, in terms of 
how they how they approach interviews, how they change their hair, how people in the workplace approach their hair. And being now that we have a hairdresser um, in, in the house, it would be great to hear, you know, some of your reflections on your cl not clients, your customers and I guess customers and clients on what they've said and what you feel about black women and their hair in the workplace. Do you know what is so funny because I've taken I, I can tell you one thousand percent I've taken it for granted. One thousand percent. I don't know what it's like to work in a mixed environment at all. Not at all. I think the last experience I had was probably working in Matalan when I was sixteen. Mm -hmm. I've been a few odd jobs here and there when I was at uni and when I fresh came out of uni, I was 22. So for the last decades, and I'm 35 now, so for the last 13 years, I have not seen a European person wow. in a workplace. I've worked fully in the black um, community to say the least. So I literally have no memory of it in that sense. I've mm. experienced racism in other ways, but not at work. I haven't, I haven't learned that, but my friends all do. So, for me and all and all my clients do as well. So a lot of the time, I I remember when I first when I wasn't seasoned, <laughs> when clients used to come in and be like, "No, I can't wear my hair like that." I'd be like, "What do you mean? Wear your hair you want?" And it was very yeah. um, because I don't have to think about it. I come to work how I want. I can wear what I like. Um, obviously, we have a uniform, but it's it's not that serious. We are in it. Um, people. Are, want us to wear our hair in a way that inspires other people to go and do it so for me it's always been very comfortable for me to wear my hair how I want I could wear the biggest wig I could wear the biggest color and um, I'm quite a simple person but I didn't have all of those are choices so they're all my choice if I wanted to walk into work with green hair I could whereas I started to realize obviously as time went on and especially now that the clients that I had 12 years ago are now women who have had kids who are um in the midst of their careers i've seen them change as time has gone on i've seen the things that they do i've seen how they let their hair down friday to friday saturday sunday and then on monday they might go back and wear a wig or they might have to you know those highlights that we did in the curly state might have to be in the bob light so i've seen it and it wasn't until um I think I had an experience when we went out for my friend's birthday. They're all professionals, and I'm obviously the, I'm always the only hairdresser <laughs> when we go places. And there was like a group of um, European ladies, and they were getting real comfortable. And I realised in that instant, I don't have to apologise for the way I feel about anything. So I was just I just said to them, I don't want to interact with anybody like that today because then it's mm. going to be us trying to entertain them. Mm. I didn't come here for that, and I just said it. And even when they were edging themselves on the table, I remember one of them started sitting on my friend's lap mm -hmm. and then she came over to me and she was like, I'm, I'm annoying you, aren't I? And yes. I was like, yeah, you are. <laughs> and, and I was like, and if you think you are, I think you should kind of like move. <laughs> or, you know, like we were trying to take pictures, she was trying to be in it. And I was like, get out of the picture, please. Like I didn't feel a way <laughs> to, to like be like, oh, can you come out of the picture, please? This picture isn't for you. Like this is not a you and us situation. And whereas my, I saw that my friends were like, I wouldn't even say accommodating. Like they were very accommodating and I saw it. Like they were very mm. accommodating. Even though I could see that they were uncomfortable. They had one had to ask the waiter if he could get them to go. And I was just, in my head, I was like, why don't you just do it? 
mm-hmm. type of thing. And then when we went away, obviously we were talking about it, mm. and that's when I realized how uncomfortable it is for you guys when you're at work. That I think that was the, a very yeah. lived in moment when I realized I don't have to do this every day, so I can be like, "Hey, come out of picture, please. Can you move? Can you I can be yeah. that person because I don't be have to be." I'm yeah, always one hundred percent myself. Any repercussions? Mm. I don't have to think like about that. anything because yeah. I never like. I've had people come to the shop who are European off the street, and I'm like, no, but I've got a client coming. Sorry, I can't see you. But it's not because they're European. It would be. It, it would. It could, could it be another black lady coming in. I work off of a of a schedule, so mm-hmm. if I accept you, it's going to affect someone else's appointment. But for me, it's just. I've never had to do it, so I don't have to think about it. So it's not something that I think about. It's not something I'm uncomfortable about. And then I think my friend said something to me, and I said, hold on a second. If we went, to, if we came to a restaurant and we started edging up on those girls, do you think they would have accepted it? Absolutely So why not. should we? Yeah. But yeah, when I said I... it, it's like, it's like something clicked for them. And they were like, but you clearly don't do this every day. Because I'm like, bruv. You go to a place, it's a, it's a bunch of other black girls, they're moving mad towards you, you're going to tell them to, to, to move. Of course. That's the standard between us. But while we <laughs> around these people, like, and, and they, weren't even, they weren't even being fake, they weren't being anything, but they were, they were actively trying to be polite. And mm. it's, it's that kind of actively trying to be polite that we wouldn't do, even to each other. Yeah, exactly, working in your workplace. So I, I was just like, what is oh, all of this? Yeah, one thing quickly no, no, I wanted so to say for me. the um, the hair stuff. So, have you noticed in all the years that you've working, like kind of a change in the styles that people want to use for working in a professional sense? So, I think I can't remember where I heard it lately, but I think I read somewhere like the quintessential black women working in a corporate op- um, atmosphere style is like a bob. Um, have you seen kind of like a transition in terms of the styles that corporate women wear into the workplace? I or like creative women. women and has that changed over the years are people starting to get a bit more creative like having a bit more color things like that it kind of depends on the jobs that they do like a lot of the like up, upper upper i wouldn't say upper class but the ones that are higher up in the companies they tend to have a certain look and they're mm-hmm. very they kind of want like? a certain look <laughs> i mean it depends it can be if they've got long hair they might just want a nice trim bouncy hair healthy hair um mm. some of them hide their hair completely away and a lot of women who work in that industry have just put away their hair the ones that do wear their hair out if they do have a pixie cut it's like nothing too strenuous it's very nice and simple and something that they can funk up themselves um during like their own private time but if they go to work it's also could be worn at work and um, in terms of the ladies that um I work with a lot of them again wear wigs I'm, I do hair for doctors and some people say oh we have to tie our hair back at work so a lot of the time they don't really want to do too much to their hair they just want to make make sure that they look a certain way they look neat they look ready to work um I've had, but I have, I have seen a lot of women do like subtle highlights and then it's getting bolder mm-hmm. and bolder as time has gone on. I think a lot of women are feeling a lot more confident in themselves. And does that, even, does that translate into kind of wearing out natural hair more as well? Yeah. So some people are wearing the hair natural, but some people aren't. So a lot of people, I, I also think it's got a little bit to do with work, but it's also got like 
black hair takes time. <laughs> like black hair takes time. To like if your hair is not relaxed, if your hair is not like chemically enhanced, it takes time. It takes time anyway, but it takes extra time when it's natural. Not everyone's got time to do a twist out in the morning. Absolutely not. No. So like in that sense, I don't even know if it's got anything to do with work, but do I even have that extra half an hour in the morning to know what to do with my hair? And also remember that most people are still navigating through the natural hair. Some people mm-hmm. have had natural hair for 10 years, but a twist out? No. They, mm-hmm. they don't know what that looks like. I and just wear it as it is. I'm not going to lie. I ain't got time for twist out every day. To be honest, exactly. they, just they don't know through. what that looks like. Yeah. So it's a lot of education as well. And then it's, it's, trying to get them to be comfortable in it. And that's, I don't know yeah. if that's got anything to do with the working place or just being comfortable looking at yourself in a way that you've never had to look at yourself. So even for me, I had natural hair for what, 20, 20 23 years? Wow. Didn't do a nickel with it. My hair was always, my mom didn't let me wear, wear my hair relaxed. I relaxed my hair when I went to uni. I thought this is long. Then I went back to natural. Then I went back to relaxed. And then only when I turned, what, maybe 20, when I opened the salon at 28, that's when I wore my hair relaxed. And that's when I've been wearing my hair consistently relaxed. But before that, I was out here doing into IRE. I was cool oh, with that. that's but, lovely. That's so lovely. So for me, it's like, I've had my hair in so many different ways where I've had to wear it natural, straight. And for me, I just love a pixie cut. That's how I love to wear my hair. So for me, it's a choice. But again, like I said, my lived experience has always been black <laughs> whether it's in the salon all my decisions really have to deal with okay do i really can i really be bothered with this whereas i know for some other um, people just um, moving with forward work. within the interview i just wanted to kind of ask you about how you've um it's, it's quite a competitive industry the hair industry and i've noticed like just going on instagram myself i've noticed how people have started to like promote themselves on Instagram a lot more and then they've got things like you do as well with your YouTube channel they've got different things out there that are actually promoting them in different ways how have you kind of managed to stay ahead of the curve how have you managed to keep your business alive keep it flourishing and keep it going like during this time when a lot of new things are coming out and a lot of new ways for people to promote themselves are out to be honest I don't think I've stayed ahead of the curve I think I had to I had to give up a little bit on myself in order to make the salon flourish. Um, I had to choose between me and the salon, and I chose the salon for three years. So uh, during that time, I was I wanted it to be bigger than me. I didn't want people to go to Maison Style and look for me. I just wanted them to see a, a good salon that they could go to, and it didn't really matter who they went to in there as long as they had a good experience. So um, the first two years, I would say, was given to really just nurture the salon and see where it could go. And I and during that time, loads of things happened. So obviously loads of hairdressers who are amazing um, took their chance onto social media. Like people always tell me, you should be further than this. You should be like this person in America. But that's just not happened because my focus has always been behind the scenes. Um, yeah, and your journey is your journey. I think... Yeah, like it's always been behind the scenes. Assumption, yeah. yeah. So it's always been like, oh, you could have been bigger and blah, blah, blah. And maybe I could have. But in my eyes now, I'd, I'd rather do what I'm doing because that's what I cared about at the time. And 
I clearly am somewhere because I've got a salon and it's got a good following. So for me, it's just like, it's all good to have the 300k followers. But if you don't have, if you're a hype and what people are saying behind your back is not fantastic, then I don't want any part of that. I would rather just have my little 500 followers. And if people know that I'm good and I've got people that will back me, that means more to me. So for me, it's always been about showcasing the work and showcasing and what we are we have the potential to do at the salon. And then later this year, I was like, right, I really just want to educate our guests um, and people within the industry and actual clients on what they should be doing at home and even just educating them about things about the hair because clients are interested. They want to know. And I just feel like as hairdressers, there, there might be a miscommunication where by we don't give all of the information all the time um a lot Mm -hmm. of clients have a lot of a lot of information that they're fed off of youtube and it it does make me wonder whether there's a mistrust between hairdressers and and clients or that there's just so many in so much information out there that people are just looking for other people to find information i'm not quite clear on what the issue is but i feel like if more hairdressers go out there and give information and talk to their clientele because a lot of the time I'm not even talking to everybody I'm talking to my clients at the salon so if it reaches more people great if it doesn't then fine but a lot of the time my target is always the people that I work with I mean I firsthand can say thank you for that work because I'm really sad and I feel ashamed to even say that I didn't make it to your salon but <laughs> your work, no, your work definitely inspired by Pixie Cut, which I, uh, I'm six weeks into, eight weeks now. Yay! And it was so useful to watch your videos, to have a tutorial, to see wash day, to see the products, to see how much. And again, you know, the whole essence of this conversation is about having something that's relatable, having something that's your own. And you know, I definitely would say that you're you're staying ahead of the curve in that sense of the way because that's what we need. You you know, you want to know that the person who you've gone to is the person who's still holding your hand throughout the way. So yeah, even though, even though you weren't the person, unfortunately, to cut my hair, so shame on me for even having to say it. But it was your videos and your Instagrams. But shame it's on fine, me. and this I, is what I'm saying. There are so many. There's so many amazing hairdressers, though. Like, the, the game has changed, guys. Like, hands up. Remember back in the day, there were, like, maybe four hairdressers you could go to. Now they are, like, people have really... No, they've really gone to college. They've really learned. They've really invested in themselves. Like, there are so many people who are really... Sh- young ladies, l- like me, who are really striving to be better. And we didn't have that before. When do you even remember a time when there was people that looked like us because a lot of the hairdressers that I used to go to were older and I mean older they, they were older people and now we have people that are basically the same age as us giving us that information I think that's amazing like there are so many good people doing trying to do good stuff out there and I just think that we just need to give them a chance to get it right because owning their business is whoa <laughs> it is a lot of wow moments and I could not have prepared for this journey at all. There are still days to this day where I'm like, you know what, maybe just shutting the shop would be a really good idea. Oh, no, because that doesn't just do whatever. 
into my next question. But those are the those, those you... are the emotions that you have, though. Those are the real emotions that you have. Mm, mm. As a business dream. person, it's it's, it's, a, it's something that like in the morning you're like, oh my god, I'm a G. Look at me, I've got a salon. <laughs> I've got kids. Like I'm achieving things by midday. You're like, bruh. <laughs> if I could turn back the clock, I would have sat in my house and, and gone on holidays. Us. Like I could have been doing YOLO. And then by by five p.m., you're like, nah, I'm a G. Look at me. Like you, it it goes up and it goes down, and so it's a roller coaster of emotion. <laughs> What are some of the wow moments that you're looking forward to before before we come to an end of, uh, to this episode? Because, you know, this this season we've definitely tapped into some of our more creative and artistic um, industries, or we're, we're at least trying to. And um, it would be really good to hear, like, you know, you're someone who's been in industry. You said you've been in industry for 13 years. You've worked for somebody. You're now working for yourself you're utilizing technology, YouTube. If you had to have three wow moments in, in the growth of your business, what would they be? Are these good wow moments or bad wow moments? <laughs> good wow moments in terms of, you know, where do you feel the hair industry is gonna go, especially for yourself? Okay, so one wow moment I would say is, um, working on campaigns with um I recently did a campaign not a campaign but the the bits with um Patricia for her um show that she's got on YouTube at the moment so it was amazing to be part of that I was I didn't even know what I was doing because I know her so I was just like yeah I'm happy to do it and then when I saw <laughs> that it's such a big thing so I realized that oh my god wow like this this is actually quite huge. I don't celebrate myself enough. I'm very, very aware of this. I just move with the times because I've just got, I, in my head, I've got things to do. Like, whenever I achieve one thing, okay, let's just do the next thing now. Let's see how we can make our guests feel better. And that's just always how I work. I just, I give myself into people way too much. And I've been told to take a seat back and start celebrating me a lot more. And, um, Another wow moment is the fact that I survived the pandemic. Like, I really survived it well. Um, the salon's going to be five years next year, and I did not see it coming. Obviously, I wanted it to, to be where it is, but we have had a tough last year. And in the midst of that, like I said, I was pregnant with my daughter when we went into the pandemic. So I thought we would have to close because... I wasn't able to come back. I was in my maternity leave. So um, to have gone through that and still have new staff and then to come back and be able to rebuild and almost leave off better than we were before. Uh I only have the girls at work. Like I said, Beverly, Florence, Mariam and Abby to thank for that because it wasn't me. (laughs) <laughs> it really I mean, wasn't. I mean, I did some of the work by keeping the name of live. I know that yeah. I instilled um, training in them, but they kept the train going. And That's I think it's really important. Network, so exactly, they kept that train going, and they kept it, and they kept it going well because you could mm-hmm. actually find your shop and 
the reviews come back in and they're bad. Yeah. But we maintained a really good level of service, which meant that more people wanted to come back. And Amazing. that's, again, I cannot, I, I would say that's my double wow because mm-hmm. I did not know what to expect coming back. I really didn't know, not because I didn't trust them. And they were not always well. They also had their own personal issues that they were going through. Mm-hmm. So for, for them to put into my business, and even though I call it our business, Mm-hmm. that's amazing so for me those are like the three big wild moments um the biggest wow for me is having survived i'm calling it surviving the pandemic because no but it's not real. many people have like, and um, i know a few salons that have closed that. yeah thank you so much mm, yeah excellent. i know a few salons that have closed and i'm and i'm wow. really sad for them but it, it it's a tough it's a tough 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 time Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. um yeah and i've seen a few open as well so i'm just like you know circle of life there's full circle moments going on i just want to infuse everyone out there to just make sure that you celebrate the people that are trying to do for our industry uh which is the hair industry it's a tough industry because it doesn't always pay very well um but it is a good industry oh so thank you so much andre for sharing with us yes thank um, you like it's been so insightful to kind of hear the background of the hair industry and what you've experienced and your kind of journey it's been really insightful to hear that um so just for the listeners can you um just shout out again your instagram or where they can find you or and a youtube channel as well so they can like have a look at what you're doing and all of those things Okay, so my YouTube is Andre Marie, spelled A N D R E E M A R I E. Um, it's the same across all my socials: Twitter, TikTok, I guess. <laughs> um, but mostly YouTube. You can find the majority of all the tips, all the education, and everything on my YouTube. On Instagram, I also do a lot of. Um, IGTV videos um, giving you information that I think will be really useful, especially about products and product knowledge. So if you want to have a little look on Instagram and YouTube, that's probably where I'm most active. And then if you have my watch or my stories, sometimes I do have lives and I do have question times like I'm having today. Oh, great. So as we're coming to the end now, um, again, Thank you for joining us, Andre, and um, we're just so happy to have you as a guest on our podcast and the listeners to kind of hear all the stuff you've got going on. Um, But again, please tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend, as we say every episode, and I'm just going to repeat it again. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend about our our podcast and everything that we've got going on. Um, And, you know, keep the conversation going, keep it flowing uh, with our hashtag BWWPodcastUK, and that's and that's as well our at on our socials, Instagram and Twitter. Um, so yeah, we just want we'll, you'll hear from us again in our next episode. And if you want to ask any questions, you can DM us, or if you want to email us, it's blackwomenworkinguk at gmail.com, and we'll love to hear from you. So until next time, listeners. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thank bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye bye.